brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's what he said with Cedric D. Sanders. 100% real, raw, and uncut. Deadass. Hello, my name is Cedric, and along with my beautiful wife, Connie, we'll be hosting my brand new podcast, That's What I Said. I'm a retired Navy veteran that suffers from PTSD and anxiety, and we'll discuss how I cope with the mental illness through comedy and discussion. It's a podcast that will talk about everything from cryptocurrency to comedy. If we're worrying about the dollar going up and down, up and down, up and down, and it's still a dollar, guess what? The value of that means absolutely nothing. Cryptocurrency in itself is the future of money. From spirituality to cannabis. To have cannabis on the Schedule 1 list is bullshit. I'm sorry, it is. It makes absolutely no sense. If it's a seed that can be planted and it has healing properties in it, why the hell is it his Schedule 1? Last time I checked, cocaine don't have a healing property in it. From interracial relationships, I don't have a problem with people talking about interracial relationships. People try to talk bad about uh, my interracial relationship just to think that they can get under my skin. I mean, really, it don't bother me. I mean, let's not make, you know, call a spade a spade. But if you have a problem with someone it, that's in love, it shouldn't matter the race of the person. It's a mental illness in our community. The problem is people want to put labels on it. Everybody wants to put color on everything. And as soon as you put color on it, it gets treated differently. The money gets treated funny. Because if it's dealing with Asians, guess what? It's going to take a longer process unless those leaders step up and get into the president's face or U.S. leader's face and say, this is a problem in our community. Not leaving one topic unturned. If you want to hear real, authentic conversation, interviews, and comedy, please take time to listen to That's What I Said, because I said what I said. Giving you 100% authentic, real, raw, unapologetic truth with no filter. Listen to That's What I Said. Available on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to another episode of That's What I Said with your host, Cedric Sanders. Giving you 100% authentic, real, raw, unapologetic truth with no filter. The broadcast starts now. Now.
What is good, everybody? What is good? It is Saturday afternoon, and we coming to y'all directly from the studio right here in Virginia. I just got done with a powerful masterclass interview, and I'm telling you, it was a masterclass. I don't care what <laughs> I don't care yeah. what you what you think or what you might have heard, but this interview that I did was the most powerful interview that I have done in my whole podcast career. And for those that's not following me, please follow me. Please pay attention to That's What I Said. It's a podcast that you can get all kinds of information from. And it's funny. I try to just put out information that we all need to hear and listen to. And I try to make it in a very informative kind of way to where it's not structured. It's not something that you need to just, oh, I got to uh, figure out how I got to sit down and and, and and just put my earphones on because I don't want the kids to hear him because, you know, he kind of cuss a lot but this is the interview you're going to hear where very limited very limited this was a structured interview in a sense to where we wanted to make sure information was put out and i did a powerful interview with the the one and only not other than mr richard hart now this interview in its entirety is a recording that i literally literally just finished okay I've already done my post-production and everything is ready to go. So I'm not going to keep y'all. I'm not going to talk long. You got anything to say to him, babe? No, I really don't. I mean, the only thing I can say is just caveat off of what you said about if you're not following us, please follow us on That's What I Said on Spreaker.com or wherever you get your podcast at. This is a banger for sure. And you better, better listen all the way to the end and share, share, share. That's Facts. all I got. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm still sitting here in awe. That, yes. That was such a powerful, powerful interview. So without further ado, y'all, we're about to go ahead and play the interview that I did with Mr. Richard Harden. Please take out a notepad. If you listen to it on podcast and you're driving and everything else, go ahead and listen to the podcast. I guarantee you he's just dropping gems that you are wanting to take notes on. Additionally, at the very end of the podcast, there are two gifts that he is giving. Two, but you have to listen to the podcast to know what those gifts are and to be able to take a part of those gifts. Absolutely. This interview is going to be breaking the cycle of how we are not educated about wealth. That's all I can really say about it. This this is the most powerful and most educational podcast that you will probably ever get for free. Profound. For profound. free. Profound. For free. Absolutely. For free. So with that being said, y'all, enjoy the interview, and I'll holler at y'all next Friday. Peace. Peace. I'm going to do all the beginning stuff. Before the podcast, so we're not going to get into it right now. I just want to kind of do this interview that I've been wanting to do for a while. Just haven't uh, really had the time to do it. So, um, so I know you. Connie knows you. Um, but, of course, people that's going to listen to the podcast don't know you. They, and then, well, let me say this. They may not know you. They may follow you and, and see your videos, look at your YouTube and everything else. But... Um, they may not necessarily know you. They may not know Mr. Harden as, you know, this this mentor to many people. And many people don't edify you the way they should, I believe. So um, how would you, I think, 
in, in retrospect. Can you tell us a little bit more about who Richard Harden is? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's ironic. It's only been, I'd say, the last 10 years or so that when people saw me or heard that Richard Harden was going to be speaking, that they were thinking of me and not my dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because, um, you know, and it's one of the blessings that we have in life. Uh, my dad was Richard Harden. It wasn't Richard Harden Sr., by the way. I'm not Richard Harden Jr. And my son, who is also Richard Harden, he's not Richard Harden Jr. We don't have no juniors. That ends up with people not having their own personality. But nice. my dad um, actually grew up poor. Or he, as he say, a pope. He couldn't afford the O or the R in a little country town, Quincy, Florida. Mm. And, he, you know, he was blessed to get a baseball scholarship, come up here to go to Morris Brown in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And... You know, met, met my mom, they got married, and they had two boys. So my brother, Chuck, and I. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always like to talk about who I am in, from three phases. It's where I came from, what I produced, and what I do. Mm. Because a lot of people get really caught up in their title, their name, or their accolades. And that ain't it. That is not. I mean, that it's important. I, I mean, you know, you know, it is manifestation of the blessings that you have, that you have an opportunity to talk about what you, what you've accomplished or what you own or your title, but that's not the definition. Mm. And, you know, the blessing of growing up in the, in my dad's environment, in his inner circle was being in a place where entrepreneurship was the goal. So our dad actually started his company, uh, Metro Petroleum in our living room. He said, I started out my shirt pocket. (laughs) (laughs) But, Wow. But he started an oil company. I remember distinctly because he, you know, I remember, it, it, you know how things happen fast when you're a child? Yes. Yes. So it was that my dad was in real estate and then he was in politics. He ended up being the executive assistant to the governor. So he had an office in the Capitol. Oh, wow. And then when that term was over, he started an oil company. Wow. So I grew up with that idea that because to, to a kid in Atlanta, that building has gold on the top. <laughs> yeah, his office has gold on the top. And he left that, started the old company and grew it by the time, you know, we were finished. I was finishing college to $25 million business as what they call in the petroleum industry, a jobber. So he did distribution to anybody that had um, all classes of fleets. So cable companies, municipalities, the fire departments, any of the rental car companies. If you think of anybody that has a need for gas where they have their own tank, we serviced them and we were in partnership with some of the major corporations. Oh, wow. So always had that, that thought process mm-hmm. of not now that was working in daddy's business. Now as an adult, you know, I'm married, got three kids and now our first grandchild. Mm-hmm. And it, it really expands that idea of generational thinking of in the process, even as my dad, you know, went through his different health challenges What he talked with me most about was making sure I was clear that we got some land over here at this business right here and some money for the next generation and let them know the ones that I don't meet. Mm. Mm. Wow. Those life lessons that we don't get taught or we don't pay attention to. Wow. And, you know, because his name was Richard, he called me Richard. He said, you know, Rich is in your name. So (laughs) (laughs) don't have to do no name changes there. Right, wow. right. That's man. I think um, just that alone, 
just how you broke down, you know, who you are and to bring it back to, you know, your father is big because a lot of people, when I do interviews, they don't do that. They don't bring it back to their mom and dad. They always bring it back to, oh, you know, I grew up in this area, you know, and gang activity, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not what I was asking for. I want to know mm-hmm. who, who you are, what makes you, you. And right. you gave the perfect analogy breakdown that. Very profound. I, yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. Like for me, um, like Connie hears me all the time talk about this. Uh, me and my father have a very, I would say, uh, recluse relationship. Um, but he did give me a lot of gems and I mean, we talk probably once a week and our conversations last four minutes Mm -hmm. tops Tops. and right right now. Yes. 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 Oh, okay. And he calls me, he always calls me about the weather. How's the weather? Um, how's everybody doing? Um, his ex-wife, my mom lives with me and my wife. So he always, you know, checks (laughs) on her and, that's the end of the conversation. That's it. It's never me and him having a father son type of conversation or anything else like that. And I think a lot of it, as I'm getting older, I realize that it's maybe because in his own selfish way, he's proud of me, but he'll never tell me that. So it's just mm-hmm. his way as being dad to check up on me. That's what it is. I mean, cause you got to think about it. Um, cause how, what, how old is your dad right now? My dad is 81. Okay. So I, I get it. It's like, it's like a, it's literally a generational thing Yes, where in that generation, it was difficult for men to be emotionally expressive. Yes. So, you know, even in in that, I understand that like when I'm, especially around, I had one of my close frat brothers that was in my wedding, his dad passed the month before mine. Right. So we both lost our dads a month apart. And uh, he said to me, it's difficult to understand a father's love because mm. it doesn't, it's, it's not always going to be, you know, hugging and kissing and I love you. And, you know, it's some of it's well, you got to get right. Absolutely. You know, maintaining the boundaries, being able to protect and provide. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's so easy for that to just get taken it for granted. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. think my dad loved me. Do you see the room you live in? Right. <laughs> Do you see this house? <laughs> right. You yeah. see all these groceries. This, this, all, this is all love. Right? Exactly. Like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I'm going to ask this question. Um, how did you begin your business career? Because you did talk about your dad creating his petroleum business. And um, I know that. If, if he created a business that you at some point in life decided to do the same. So, you know, how did that right. start? So, so it's, a, it's a couple of important lessons there. Uh, first was that you should be in business. Like that was, it, it wasn't something that he said out loud, but you know how they say, you, you, you don't, you don't tell your children. I mean, you can tell your children how to live, but they don't do what you say. They do what you do. That part. So my, my first experience working, I had a job where my daddy was doing something in the den. And I was like, well, what you doing? You know, just, no, just, just nosy being around. And he said, well, I'm matching up checks and invoices. And what I do is I take these numbers and I match them up here to make sure that everything that I paid out has gotten, that I sent out has gotten paid. And those that haven't gotten paid, I send them back out. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, so you match this number and this number. He said, well, Rick, you smart. You can do this. So 
So at nine years old, I was doing account reconciliation. Wow. <laughs> yeah, these, these are the ones that have, because as a kid, it's really just matching game, right? Right. These have something that matches with them. These don't. But mm-hmm. over time, I started understanding that's a part of the accounting business. And, you know, by the time I was 10, I was too big for that job. I had to teach Chuck. Ah, uh, wow. Right. And so daddy always had us, you know, just around his process. And then I started my first business at 12. And this, you know, again, looking back, it's the intentional part of my parents mm. that they, are, you know, the people, it, it turns out that the people you're around influence who you're around. And one of my dad's good friends from, I don't know where they met. I think they met at like at the Atlanta Business League or something, but it was Ed Menifee and he had a program called Swaybo. It's the Southwest Atlanta Youth Business Organization. Okay. Met on Tuesdays at seven in the basement of Mount Calvary Baptist Church. Oh, wow. And Mr. Menifee had a 25 point business curriculum where kids between the ages of seven and 21, that was the range of who was in Swaybo. Um, anything from the, you know, a profit and loss statement back then computers were new. Cause you got to remember this is the eighties. <laughs> oh yeah. This is back in IBM days. Uh-huh. Right. So it, it was it, the three types of computers, the basic processes of computer operations and each of those things we learned just wrote repetition. Like even now I know that the difference between profit and loss is gross profit minus expenses equals net profit or loss. Profit or loss. But I learned it at 12. They ain't even, I didn't even, have the full concept, but then what they did in combination with the curriculum where we were learning the words was on Saturdays they we would be we would have projects. Mm-hmm. So everybody in the organization was your employee for the week of your project. Oh wow. And said when I tell you we did some of everything like my pat my big my big money earner mm-hmm. was the Christmas card, monogram Christmas card project. Right? <laughs> I get the catalog of Christmas cards, show them how to do the order form. I say, take, you know, take this to your church. I, you know, you had to develop the script for your employees for how they use and then uh, agree on a profit motive. Now, the three things that went together, though, was you had a curriculum. Mm -hmm. We each started bank accounts back then at Citizens Trust Bank. So it's one of the black banks here in Atlanta. Right. And every week we had on Tuesdays, we're going to learn the curriculum, plan the project. And Saturday we would execute Saturday morning. Oh, so we wow. started with donuts. One kid, one time we just felt, we went, we, we, we had a project where we were selling the stuff we found outside. So we had the pet rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, you know, and thinking about how that sounded to me as a kid, when I first went, was it sounded like, mm. right, right, right there. Well, we got to go. Do we have to go today? That makes sense. Yeah, wow. because at that age, right? you're ready to go outside and play with your friends and watch right. cartoons. And especially, <laughs> right, especially Saturday morning. Mm, yeah. Saturday morning, if we got to be the Sway Bowl by 10, we got to be up by 9. Right, right. Or if we're doing a donut-a-thon, you got to get the Krispy Kreme when they hot. So you got to get there at 7. And get there at 7 early, yep. And um, but it, it gave that early work ethic and the idea that we could do better business than just me. Mm-hmm. Like that's the the best blessing. Looking back, is all of our projects were sales oriented. Oh, oh, this is the other kicker though. 
because now you got a checking account and a savings account as young as eight or nine years old. So some of those had to be custodial, right? Mm -hmm. But any of the money from our projects went into our bank accounts to plan for our trips. And once a year we would go on a trip that we mostly funded through our projects. Oh, wow. So we went on at one point, we went on a 13 state bus tour from Atlanta to California and back. Oh, wow. Right. We went to the Bahamas. We went on a cruise. Oh, and wow. where it was lame to get up early on Saturday morning mm-hmm. and be selling rocks and watermelons and donuts. <laughs> right, right. It was dope AF to be able to say I paid for us to go on a cruise. That is wow. So that and that and that was the motto: was work yields reward. So mm-hmm. we did, you know. So we, I was in Swaybo up until high school, till I started doing varsity sports. But mm-hmm. for so I got, I had about five years and two. I was the only one. Like I was the youngest president. And I was the first president back to back for two years, and I was like, "How did this happen?" <laughs> <laughs> On right. something that you didn't want to really do. You know, well, I didn't know didn't I wanted know about to. It. Like that's a, yeah. that's the tough thing about being a child is you're a child, right? Exactly. You have no idea that you know. Just you know, that's how I feel. You stand on the shoulders of giants. You just see a little bit further, and no idea what that impact was. Because what it what that equipped me to do was to overcome a lot of the fears that hold us. When I say us, I'm, us I'm talking about skin folk and kin folk, but yes. specifically overcome the fears that keep us from getting what we want in life. Mm. So, mm. for well, example, hmm. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that in that process, it made you better in business than anything else? Just that process by itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the combination of seeing it, seeing it done, Mm-hmm. But then also having to do it for myself. Like it would have been one thing I, I've seen, you know, because there are a lot of family businesses. Once you're in the oil business, most of them are, are family business. Right, right. In, the, in that mid-tier, I'll say Exxon and those have become big corporations. But the people that do that get the from the pipeline to distribution point, most of those are family businesses. The challenge in a family business is you're never the CEO. Oh, right. That's a gym. Mm. That is a gym. So my daddy having us have to step outside and have our own business and the idea that we're looking at things that we can contribute and do together. That has separated me from most people in most businesses because I I never feel like I got to stay doing one thing forever. Right. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Wow. that, yeah, that just sat me back down, and I've been sitting the whole interview. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, it, it's it's funny, because last night we did the podcast. We did the podcast, and we were mm-hmm. promoting this interview. And it's the first time that I've actually received interaction from the people listening. Like, they were in real time. As soon as I ended the podcast, I had an instant phone call right after. Instantaneous. Like, and, seriously. Wow. And it was a guy that I was in the Navy with, and he was like, yo, I do not want to miss this interview. What What do I need to do? You know, and I, you know, told him the link and everything else like that. And then when I hung the phone up, it made me realize it goes back to, like, everything, you know, you've been, you've been teaching, everything you've been kind of, you know, 
given everybody and as well as, you know, other people that we'll get into later, it's, you know, be consistent and show that don't talk about what you want to do. Actually be the person that you want to be because it's going to eventually show up when you need it to show up. It's not exactly. it's not going to just <laughs> it's not going to miraculously happen because, you know, you want to see money and then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. But you're not doing anything to get there. If you're doing everything to get to the money, eventually it's going to get there because you're putting in the work. And, and it's I mean, it's, you had a good point there. Some of it, you don't even know that that's why that's happening in your life. Because, there's you know, I can look at Swaybo as a specific thing that set off a series of experiences by design. Like I still have like an, there's an underlying philosophy because it's the Swaybo model. It's like work yields reward. Mm-hmm. So I'm always that person saying, well, what, what kind of work can I do? Right. And then how, what's that, what's that yield equation going to be? Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. And, and then you think about just other things. Cause it's, you know, on the one hand, you could give somebody a curriculum. You could give them a book and say, this is how you start a business. Right, right. And it's so many just little nuances. Uh, I mean, just imagine, like, if if there's one thing that I could teach everybody to get over their fear of is the idea that selling is bad. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I would be the first person to sit there on that one. Oh, and and here's the perspective. If you have something of value to share with the world, and they can get a higher return than the cost of the thing that you're offering them. It's actually selfish of you not to let them know that's possible. Wow. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Again. Because I know, I mean, because this is what has happened. We've gotten sold on stuff. (laughs) I thought it. (laughs) We've gotten sold on and trained on stuff that does not benefit us so significantly that we believe in those things more than we believe in our own ability to create something together. Mm. Case in point, my mom was, she does tax education, mm-hmm. right? So if you balance out the two personalities, so you got my dad over there, you know, the, you know, driver, builder, we're going to do it. We're going to get it done. We're going to find a way. And then mom was balancing the books. Oh. And still right now today, she's one of the top, tax professionals and tax educators for, um, for one of the big block firms down here. Right. And she said, do you know that there is a program in most commercial tax agencies where people are starting in October, taking out loans on their tax refund from next year? Oh man. 
Now, I, now get. Now I want you to like I, I said, Mama. Are you serious? She said, Yeah. It's it, so they taken out a loan on their own money that they hadn't earned, but they've already guaranteed to overpay, and then they're gonna pay interest on. Yes. Was mm, mm, mm. mm. and, and, and I think to even add like you know more salt into that wound, people are expecting a certain amount of money based off of their history of returns. So they get these loans and then when they don't end up getting, you know, back the money that they were thinking, projecting to getting, now they owe more on top mm-hmm. of the interest. They they pay. Yeah. Now they owe. Right. And she said, I mean, and that's one of the things. So it is the balance of having money so that you have income control. Like that's a, like when Robert Kiyosaki talks about that in his books, he has, I know people always talk about like his rich dad, poor dad and cash flow quadrant. Right. But he has a book. It's kind of obscure. It's called Unfair Advantage. Mm. And I picked it up. Mm, I picked it up on Audible maybe last year. Meaning, I'm you know I'm a big fan. We played a cash flow game. Like with my kids, I gather them around. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna play cash flow. We're gonna monitor these cash flow statements. I do not give allowance. You are allowed to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> but, that part. <laughs> but we got we we got a commission plan though. And okay. if you contribute these things to the house, I'm willing to pay that. Right. So, oh, oh, you don't work. Oh, don't worry. I can, I can do the dishes myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, I can do this myself. Yeah. You know. Wow. So yeah. we had a whole compensation plan for our kids growing up. Now, now they're in there. Well, my oldest is now 30. That, that happened quick. So. Right, right, right. So these two questions that we had already pretty much, uh, detail that we were going to ask you kind of already answered them in a sense but right. i'm gonna I'm ask these two questions um because okay. i already kind of know what the answers are but um how many businesses do, do you own and operate and what was your motivation in creating these businesses and then the second question is is what is the driving force that has brought you to where you are today oh man that is an excellent question <laughs> so let's back up into the driving force mm-hmm. is combination of gratitude and expectation. Wow. Gratitude and expectation drives most things that I do in life because I'm so grateful for where I have come from, where we are today, but I have such high expectations for where we can go. And I know, you know, because of the way daddy put it, like daddy is clear that there were things his parents just weren't able to do for him now, part of that is they died early in his life. So his mom died when he was three and his dad died when he was in eighth, eighth or ninth grade. Mm. Wow. So literally like my mom, I'd never met my grandparents on his side. My mom won't have pictures of them. Like that's, oh wow, that's that level of poverty. So he said, yeah. I want to make sure that what I do isn't for God. So when he got, the, oh, this is funny though. Mm-hmm. When he got an oil business. He did. Uh, he got one of those pictures of himself. <laughs> Painted on the fireplace by his job. You <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> oh, wow. That's my dad. But, you know, so if you think about that from the standpoint of gratitude and expectation, which mm-hmm. I have to call him back. Um, but then the second, so that's the driving force. So if you think about that thing, and if you're grateful, you look at what you're blessed with and build around those things. 
Absolutely. That makes sense. Yes. So right now I, you know, and I'm one of those people. I say my goal, I'm going to be the employed millionaire, right? So I I work full time. I have full time position in the enterprise business technology space with Microsoft. That was my formal training. And I went through uh, four. Well, this is one of those small miracles. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Duke University and I double majored. I had an electrical engineering degree and a computer science degree, and I got them both done in four years. Mm. Wow. Now, normally people say if you do the math right and you make things flow, you can be done with that program, course of study, five, five and a half years. Right. Challenge in my life was my first daughter was born my freshman year. Oh. So I had a full scholarship to do. Mm-hmm. But as a man, I also had a full-time job. So I had to get this done so I could get out of here and make some grown man. Right, right, right. So that was, that, was a bit, that was a big part of our starting point. And the five businesses I run are actually based on things I started learning in my career. Meaning, I don't know if you ever had that feeling when you have a high education and get to work and realize you know nothing. No, nothing, yes. Yes. Like I, I remember the day, the day before my first day at work in corporate, because I knew how to run my dad's business mm-hmm. and I knew how to do what I had been taught in school. So I was literally over there at the house, like going through my computer science textbooks, like they might ask me a question or something. Right. Can't ask me nothing about that stuff. <laughs> none of that stuff was, no, none of the questions they asked was in this book. This is stupid. <laughs> stupid. But what I started to realize, so that what I did have, and this is a, it's an oversimplification of the value of a college education, but what it basically says is you've had the discipline at an early age to show up and follow a course of instruction for a consistent enough period of time to graduate. So you'll probably do that for them. You won't mess their business up. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the competency of just being able to sit in the right chair of a business and to have that job without getting fired. That's basically what that is. Be, be able to be taught something. Right, right. right? But the, you know, the blessing of working with computers was watching how computers worked and starting to realize we go in and we do like, I, I remember I got that first, we did a multi-million dollar re-engineering project for the phone company mm-hmm. where we're going in, looking at the existing systems, seeing where the duplications redundancies were, taking those out and then building systems to streamline the process. They'd invest millions of dollars in the technology, but not change the people. Yes. That part. Yeah. And what you find is that technology was evolving, but people were actually going the other way. So I started studying, not just people. I started studying this person and finding out that, you know, there are things about my operating system that are out of alignment. I need to, pur- I need to purposely pro cause that's what I figured out. I was being purposely programmed to do something different than what I wanted. Right. Mm. And once I started finding out about it, I also started finding that I could teach it. And that was my first business. I had a speaking business outside. Oops, I'm sorry. I, so the, I have two businesses that I started as an adult that I don't do a lot with anymore. Those were relative related to the fleet and fuel industry in my dad's business, but personal business, mine was personal growth. And I started talking to and teaching people about those things and realizing that when it comes to their mindset, 
when it comes to their ability to share what they're here to share, because I feel everyone has a unique voice and their money, people were trapped. So speaking was where I started. And mostly I was speaking about me. Now, what did I speak to me most about? Well, I'm a young married man with three kids. It was about the money. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) So it started off, you know, just Richard Harden, Power Builder Speaks, Power Talks, Power Programming. I have a series of things that I teach about those things. And then I would find people that say, I want to speak like you. So I started a speaking coaching business, right? Nice. Where I teach people, take people that have a message or a voice, but want to turn that and monetize that. I've been the, um, the dean of the Professional Speakers Academy for NSA Georgia, that's National Speakers Association Georgia, for the last five years. Now, by the way, wow. don't try to sign up for Speakers Academy with me next year. I told them I'm on a hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> well, in private coaching, I still do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you take those two things, the biggest challenge with those as businesses is the product was me. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Meaning, if you think about most people that start a business start in a very similar way. They take a thing they're passionate about. They start a business where that's the product, but realize that every time I got off stage, I was unemployed. So I had a job as a backup income. That makes sense. And that's why I started saying, well, what else can make money other than me? Well, turns out I already told you we like cash flow and monopoly. We started buying houses, mm-hmm. right? So I have right now only have four houses in Atlanta. Okay. Right. And my goal was to buy another one this year, but you know, I refused to buy overpriced inventory. <laughs> yes, yes, that that's ridiculous. Exactly. But what you find out about that that business is it has its own passive income stream. It has a lot of tax protection, mm-hmm. but it also has tax limitations. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Meaning you can only write off on uh, any property as much as that property made that year. And as long as you do a good job on the books, they'll let you pass down your, what they call it. They call it passive activity loss limitation. Mm. I never heard of that. You know, right. So they, they consider rental properties a passive activity. It's not nearly as passive as you might think. Really? Like even right now today, I still do have to send a repair guy. Oh, now it is that I'm not the one doing repairs anymore. At least right. it's, funded well enough where it's taking care of itself. The houses are paying for themselves. And because of the next phase of business for me, because only shoot about three, three or four years ago, we got involved in the financial education piece with the extra digit movement. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the perfect marriage of what I was excited about. <laughs> right? On the one hand, it's a message about finance, financial empowerment and education that empowers people to understand the rules of the wealthy. That we, we just really weren't taught at school. Like the, like I'm the blessing, I'm the nerd son. So I, you know, I got the straight A's, I got the academic scholarship. I know for sure. Like some people say they taught it at school. You just want to listen The hell they did. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Absolutely. If they, if they had taught tax strategy, one on one, a debt elimination, two Oh two, knowing what I know now that, Thermodynamics, I still hadn't used it yet. I was good at thermodynamics. So that's the worst part. Like when you get a good grade in the class and, and you don't never ask you anything about that in real life. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that exactly. is so true. That is so true. Wow. Because I deal with the same thing. I guess, you know, when you go in the military, they send you to a, to a school and it's more like a trade school. 
and mm-hmm. you you learn so many different aspects about your job and you never use all those aspects until of course you've been in the navy for at least 10 years and mm. most people that are in the military get out in 4 years and it's not okay. because not because of what they didn't learn or whatever a lot of them say oh i just want to go to school or you know i want to go back home and and take care of family whatever and and that's fine but a lot of people get out because they're not challenged enough yes interesting yes and people don't realize this i was a career counselor for the last 6 years of my military career and that was one mm-hmm. of the things that i found out their retention rate was high only for people that have been in past the five-year mark. Their, uh, really? Oh, yeah. And their attrition was always low for anybody under the age of 24. Anybody that was under the age of 24, it was almost an 80% chance for them to get out of the military. And a lot of it wow. was because the job wasn't challenging. Um, nobody was pushing them in a direction to educate them into getting into a better job. And then it was just people that got in the military because – you know, they had to because the judge told them to. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, you have people that go in the military because the judge is like, either you're going to jail or you're going in the military. Oh, yeah. They still have okay. those. They still have those. Right. And right. some people, they transition into a better place, but other people were just like, I'm doing my time and I'm getting out. This is just like jail to me. I'm like, wow. So when you said just, you know, going to school, getting that education and finding something you like to learn about, you know, and got a good grade on it and then never used it. That was kind of like the downward spiral of a lot of people's uh, attention in the military. They just never stayed in. Yeah. Hmm. And, it, and it, it's sad. Well, and it, well, here's, here's, you want to, you want to take it a step deeper? Yes. Is the general challenge with most educate, cause there's, there's always two types of education in my opinion. And for most categories of education, whether you're looking at a university system, at what you just described in terms of a military education, it's training. That part, yep. Which is, you know, which is designed to help someone execute or repeat a skill versus, you know, the true definition of education, that root word educo means bring from darkness to light. light. Yep. Is that enlightenment that helps you see something differently and do a different thing with it? Uh-uh. And I think that there's just too little. I mean, it, there's a it's a huge industry in training people. It, it, even if you think about like our K through 12 education now, some of the things that we learned in Swaybo, I always wonder why that wasn't just in the core curriculum at a school. Oh wow! Yeah, right. Man, and it, it just comes down to well, most of our educational system. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that's on the, you know, on the interview talking about that. There's a smoke filled room filled <laughs> with people, right? I know. Trying, trying to keep you at work, but mm-hmm. come on now. Yeah, there's some truth behind that, though. I mean, and like you said, not to get into that conversation, but I was going to say this. One thing that I learned in the military, and I take it with me even today to this day, and Connie hears me say it all the time, is that any job that I've ever went into within the military and out of the military, because I learned this my first four years in the military. This, This older guy came up to me, and he told me, he was like, if I don't tell anybody anything, I'm going to tell you because you seem like a hard worker and I think you're going to be in until you retire. He's like, train your relief. Every job you train get. Train your relief. Yes. Okay. 
Every job you get into, you chain your relief. He said, I don't care if it's the military. I don't care if you're working at Dunkin' Donuts. It doesn't matter. Train your relief. What you don't want to happen is that if you progress in the company and the people that work under you don't progress, you're failing. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm making more money because I'm progressing. He was like, no, you're not. Because ultimately you want the people that work under you, that you've trained to do the job that they do. You want them to have your job. Right. That's such a, that's such a unique perspective. I mean, you got to think about how many people aren't told that. And because I was a consultant, I mean, I still consult corporate companies every day. Mm -hmm. And there's so few people that even have a view into that they could rise above the place they are. So the fact that he said, start promoting people, start putting people in position to replace you is is that goal is really to work yourself out of a job. It is. It really is. So that you know, so that you got, listen to this Mm -hmm. loyal infrastructure to hold you up at the next level. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's a lot of people out there taking shots to knock you down. You are so That's, 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 that's a jewel right there, man. That's, that's I, good. Like, and you call that brother, send, send him some money. I know, huh? <laughs> and it's funny because I use it to this day. Like even, you know, what business that I have and everything else, I always try to learn as much as I can, not to be the smartest guy in the room, but to be able to give those jewels to people when they ask questions. And it's not that I wouldn't turn them to my mentors and say, hey, that would be a good question to ask, you know, Richard or ask Chuck or ask Brian or whoever the case may be. That'd be a great question mm-hmm. to ask them. But if I have the answer, I tell Connie all the time at her job, you don't be the person with the secret. Yep. Never be the senior person with the secret. Never be the person Never. with the secret. Well, and it's always, it, it, in my opinion, that has a lot to do with culture. There, there are certain things that I learned how to do. I teach them. Well, some of them are things I learned how to do mm-hmm. and I try to teach that are just, this is who I am. There's a lot of, these are the mechanics. These are steps that I took. Right. But trying to duplicate that in a person, it could take as long as it took me to get here. Right? Right. That so from terrible. a corporate point of view, secrets are job security. That's very true. Yeah. Right. One of the blessings of the work that we do with the extra digit movement is the secret is letting people around you know the secret so that they get paid and promoted faster. Mm. And it's, you know, it's all about culture because there's going to be different structures for any organization. And in a lot of, a lot of situations I come into for somebody to get promoted from where they started, the person above them would have to get shot. (laughs) Or leave, or leave before they but was ever going to see that chair. You right, right. right. So you are absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I like the, the direction of this this interview because some of these questions are already being answered. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. So we've kind of captured, you know, about three or four more questions. So I'm gonna sum it up okay. then. I'm gonna I'm sum it up because then it'll it'll kind of make this process go by faster, which is fine with me. Um. Do you, well, speaking of wealth, what has been the biggest challenge maintaining or educating other people? Ooh. Mm. Well, let, let me, let me set this aside. Aside from my own field. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll admit, um, I have to make sure to understand that in my education journey, I had to get past some of my own limiting beliefs. Right. Right. About me. And so sometimes I would be overly quick to stop having a conversation with a person 
because they were ignorant. Mm. But that's what, that's why they needed education. Do you, you, I mean, you know, like when somebody's strong on their ignorance, like they just don't hold on to this thing. Right. No matter. It's like, sometimes I just have to take a breath so that I don't exhaust myself because they say when a student is ready, the teacher will appear. Cause some people are what I call willfully ignorant. Meaning they, they, they broke as a joke and read it choke and they like it like that. Like that's mm. get these Jordans though. Right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you vibing, wow. you vibing with me and Connie because we have this conversation all the time, you know, that beer budget, champagne diet type of feeling. Uh. And mm-hmm. people would rather spend their money on, you know, a two or three hundred pair dollar pair of Jordans than to invest in themselves or invest to, you know, be their own bank. I used I used I've been saying that statement for a while. I've been I used to call it BYOB instead of, you know, bring your sure. own brown bag. It's, you know, be your own bank. And I think like, just like you said, I think the hardest to me, the hardest part about not even just teaching wealth, but just trying to share it with other people is not being that, that one guy. And everybody's like, well, who's that one guy? You know, the one guy with the secret that doesn't share the information, but makes himself egotistically unavailable to answer questions because he's living so much in his ego and he's been around money for so long. He doesn't know what it means to be broke or poor. I don't want to be that guy. And I don't never want to sound like that yep. guy. Cause I was that guy literally like, you know, before marrying my wife and well, after military, but that's another story. So, <laughs> well, and it, and it's, if you think about it this way, what I think is we are literally, and this is part of it, taught to fight the conditioning for creating wealth, real wealth, versus the appearance of wealth. And I mm-hmm. and so some of it I, I, I accept for myself and the people around me, especially this younger generation, is most people don't even know what wealth is. That part. Yes. That whole part. Right? So, you know, I think back to, you know, when we used to see like, this is Robin Leach and re- Lifestyles of the Rich and famous, famous, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, but... What, you know, what wasn't captured a lot of time in how those lifestyles were achieved was the fact that most of those people that are in the rich and famous had gotten to the point where there was so much money making money for them. It was not visible what their source of wealth was. Mm. Like, you got to think about the brands that people invest in right now, like, you know, like Gucci and Hilton and. Dolce and Gabbana, those are people's names. Correct. Right? That's somebody else's name. Right. That's on a label that every time you buy that label increases the wealth of that person. And we end up with people that would rather look rich than get rich. So that's the that's the fundamental thing. And we and we were and you got you you continue it through the training. Like we're taught over and over again. You get the same lesson over and over again in school, go to school, get good grades. So that you can go to college, get a good job, and live happily ever after. Right. Now, here's the reality. Each step of that education process, depending on where you get out of it, it still makes you an asset to someone else's. I mean, uh, yeah, it makes you an asset to someone else's asset, meaning they'll pay you a little bit of money for a whole lot of your time. Mm Mm-hmm. But you better believe every business has an economic model where every employee has to be worth more to the company than they're being paid. Uh. 
Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot. So, so it's like, I know Microsoft pays me good money, but I know we did $6 million in deals last quarter. Mm-hmm. They ain't paid me $6 million last quarter. Right. They paid me, paid me a healthy commission. Right, right. Healthy. Healthy <laughs> commission. Right. But the profit, the profit, the delta between what it costs to have me as a part of that process and what they made is why their stock price continues to go up. Mm. Does that make sense? And that's yes. not just me. That's, that's any business. So right. just mm-hmm. that fundamental process of, cause that's if, if the formula is ha- assets, having enough assets that you can keep your current standard of living. That's my definition of wealth. That's, we should probably get that on the recording. Yes. Having enough assets that produce enough income that you could continue your standard of living without anybody at your house having to work again. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. But that's not what we're taught to do, right? They say once you get that good job, you get, you get a house, a spouse, 2.5 kids, a white picket fence, and a dog named Spot. Come on. I know, I know somebody. I'm about to say our dog <laughs> like when spot the, is laying down right now. Like you, you know something wrong when the dog got a dog. Like that's, <laughs> that, that means that the, the formula is, but like we're sold that so repetitively that for most people at the time of their death, the assets that they're most likely to have are the home that they've been purchasing for 30 years or more if they've refinanced. Right. 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 And the 401k, whatever balance they have in that investment and any remaining life insurance, if they weren't sure, you know, the problem with that, all three of those would suffice on a balance sheet as assets, but none of them produce income. Yeah, that's that. Think about I, it. The I, house I, that you live in, the house that you live in, the bank calls it your biggest asset, right? Yes. It's the biggest asset that you manage for them because it's on their balance sheet until you pay it off. Right? Mm. Bingo. Because you're not, I mean, most people that live in a house, they're not renting out the house they live in. Nope. Right. They live in So there. if you look at, if you look at the direction of the flow of cash from that, I mean, and I like my house. Mm-hmm. But 
the cash that comes from this house, I mean, the cash that goes into this house is going one direction. That's out until I paid it off. Right. right? And when it comes to the 401k, even though it's the the goal, like people, I think most people don't even understand their 401k. I can agree. I I can absolutely agree. I mean, it, it make it even worse. I don't even think most people know that the money that gets taken out of that check goes into their 401k and they have a choice over what that money gets invested in. They don't even know what the choices are, but I digress. This is what I say about a 401k is that it's money that you're setting aside tax deferred in most cases. What tax deferred means is you're going to pay them taxes on the back end, mm-hmm. tax deferred till you're 60. Mm-hmm. And it's a big chunk of money. You know, like I, I think the max this year I get, I turned 50 this year. So next year I get to do what they call it. They, they got a thing where you, when you get older, you can do catch up. So it means you can put more in your 401k because you're going to get at it sooner. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if you, if you think about this process, it's growing for tax, tax deferred for that whole time, mm-hmm. but you can't touch it. Right. You, I, I mean, is the, is the, in, in my, in, 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 at the point where I got involved with, just the whole idea of the extra digit movement and income shifting. I was other than my real estate investments. I was blindly following the rest of the people knowing that the stats say that 92% of people in their working career needing to go back to work. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's so many people that I meet in military retirement at work. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, and, you know, <laughs> and it, but it's, but it's the breakdown. It's like the, 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 you treat the 401k like this big piggy bank, but it has no leverage. Uh-huh. And then what most people don't know is you're a silent partner with the government, meaning when you get to the age where you can access it, then you get taxed. Yep. Yeah. And, it, and you know, we fund tax. it with, and <laughs> it's, it's not a little tax. tax. It's, it, it's, it's, I mean, think about it. It's an investment. Most other investments, think about this the way the wealthy people do. Most other investments get what's called capital gains tax, right, right, which is the lowest tax rate in America. Oh, we should probably talk about that. Mm-hmm. Three categories of taxes in the world. Right? I mean, well, not in the world, in America. You got the earned income tax bracket. That's your E. Mm-hmm. You got the business income tax bracket. That's your B. That's and you got the investment tax bracket. So your EBIs of taxes. Yeah. And the, here's the challenge. 90% of the populations get funneled intentionally into the earned income uh, tax bracket. Right. And that's why America is the richest country in the world. Mm. Meaning every time everyone in the E bracket gets paid, so does the U.S. Treasury. 33% off the top. Wow. Now, here's the thing. It's a scale. So you do have the choice of being in the earned income tax bracket. My belief is the earned tax bracket is not a death sentence. It should be a stepping stone. If you got a good job, you got to make sure that you focus your earnings so that the earnings go to work earning money for the earner. They call it pregnant money. Yes. <laughs> you got to have some of your money in a position where it can go to work for you. Not, not, not when you're 60. Right now. now. Right. And the simplest funnel in America for that is through the business vehicle. Now, again, biggest challenge in business is most people say they want to be in business but they don't want to do what business people do. You know how, you know how that goes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to be in business, so you got to do what business people do. What do business people do? They stay up late at night. They do extra courses. They do extra courses. They, they, you know, 
they take in, they take in extra information and they have to experience the word no from time to time and they don't die from it. Exactly. <laughs> oh my. But when you're <laughs> but think about it, when you're a business owner, the tax situation gets reversed from a control point of view. Because think about the lens. Earned income, you fill out some paperwork the day you start working. It, 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 you actually have you're required by law to self snitch. You gotta tell them when you work and they do a percentage to estimate, they, they intentionally overestimate how much to send the government every time you do something that results in money. Right? Up front, they get their money before you get your money and you get, they, and they can't start payroll until that's done. With a business is an exact inversion. So it's the percentages that, that, that start to trip out because there's so much about just having a job as the one source of money. And by the way, I, I'm not a job bastard. Like I still, I have a job and your job has one job uh-huh. is to fund your business. That's it. <laughs> You're right. Because, because that, you know, I did all the other stuff that said, like, I, I remember before this, I was like, how can I get to the place where I make more money than I'm making at this job? I know I get another one. Mm. I had two. Yeah, I don't know if anybody out there has ever had that experience of having two jobs and thinking, well, I'm going to just have to pay twice as much taxes. The hell you will. Let, <laughs> let me show you this. Because <laughs> the, the, the way that the money works, the more money you make, the higher percentage the government takes. So I messed around. I'm sorry. I, I want this to be a clean recording so that we can pass it around to other people. Yes. I messed around Absolutely. and got to the place where I was in the same tax bracket with NFL players. Mm. Okay. But mm. I was still getting taxed at these two jobs. Like I just had a job. Right. So when the IRS came around trying to get a year's salary as taxes, I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's that's the that's the definition of pimping. Y'all got me. Yeah, exactly. This is yeah, deal yeah, or no yeah. deal right here. I, I, no. Exactly. Right. But here's here's what business owners are able to do. They pay a lower percentage in taxes, and they have a significant degree of control over their tax status. Okay. Meaning, a business it, it's the formula. See the formula for work. When I work, I work, I get taxed, and I get to spend what's left. Work, tax, spend. Mm-hmm. With a business. I get to make money. The business makes money. The business gets to spend. It gets to cover all of its expenses first, and then it gets taxed on. It gets taxed on profits. Oh. In College Park in East Point, Georgia, there was a. I don't know if you ever been in one of those unfortunate incidents where somebody said, "Give me all you got." I have, unfortunately. You find, yeah, hey, what you keep, you find. I mean, what you find, you keep. Yeah, exactly. You just got to make sure now that you don't have no money on you. When it's- <laughs> yeah, that part. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. The Amazons of the world, think about how many billions of dollars Amazon made on the way to creating a trillionaire. Mm. And for most of the time that you knew the name Amazon, do you know that they paid less in taxes than we did? No, that makes Because sense. they wow. could document they could document that they had spent their money on their infrastructure and their investments in their business. Therefore, they didn't have any profits left to be taxed. Right, so they right. had t- high top line revenue, a lot of expenses that went back into, I mean, think about it. Who suddenly goes into the logistics and delivery business with a, Mer- with a fleet of Mercedes Benz trucks? Mm. They were that? investing in their business though. 
Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, right. it's one of those things where they have an asset and the control over the tax structure, and that puts them in a place where they're paying the lowest percentage. Mm-hmm. And then the last category, investment income, money is the ultimate. When they say the rich get richer, it's actually written into the tax code. Because mm. think about it, money making money. It's called capital gains tax for investors. By the way, your 401k does not get capital gains tax. It gets taxed as earned income when you start to take it out. Oh, and by the way, you get to a certain age, you can't even say, well, if you're going to tax me on it, I don't want it. They start sending you mandatory minimum, like take this money because they want their piece out of it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, like that's, is that your money's been growing, but their tax value has been growing as well. You've been investing for the government for 50 years. It's, Man. But capital gains get taxed less than 50%, and the formula isn't that they get taxed every year. Meaning capital, money making money, money gets to make money, it gets reinvested, and then it doesn't get taxed until the asset is sacrificed. And what do wealthy people do? They never sacrifice. They never the sacrifice. Asset. Right. Wow. <laughs> so now you got money making money. And it, it's the, the other theoretical blessing is it starts to shift the mindset because money making money doesn't get tired. His wife don't got an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it doesn't get sick. None of those things that, that slow down our earned income impact the money. But most people don't don't get enough discipline early enough in life to set aside enough money to replace themselves. That's why most people work their whole lives, pay bills, and die. You're just dropping gems. And if y'all Absolutely. don't, if y'all don't know <laughs> who the gentleman is that I'm interviewing, this is Mr. Richard Harden. And I'm doing this interview to not only put you guys in a better position to understand wealth and business, home-based businesses in itself. But it's something that I needed to do. I needed to interview somebody. I'll call my mentor when I really know what he tells me in, in, you know, certain (laughs) meetings and everything. And I can just, I don't want to assume, you know, so I was like, you know, this is kind of helping me out. It's helping my wife out, but it's helping everyone else out. Because to me, this is someone that I think everybody should know of everybody. I don't care who you are. If you in Atlanta and you don't know who he is, you got a problem. Um, so, that's real. Um, so well, somewhere between me and my brother, it's like it's like it's one of those things. Like I will get places. I was like, I know you don't. Then you go to Clark. No, that's my brother. That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was there a lot, though. I will say, you know, Atlanta University Center is probably one of those blessings. And but this is how I phrase it. It's like we're having a conversation and we letting everybody else listen in. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. So. Let me get to this 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 one question that that uh, people I think I wouldn't necessarily say they're they're in fear of, but they don't necessarily know how to operate in it. In this recession that we all know is optional, but we'll leave that alone until you start explaining. Because I'm sure you're gonna get there. Uh, <laughs> in in this recession, and along with inflation, what are what are some tips you can give? The, the listening audience or people that's going to listen to this later on maintaining wealth or just their finances in general. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm, that's, man, that's an exceptional question. Because it, it takes me to so many things to think about. Do you know, in my opinion, the one, the, the one, it's not even my opinion. If you look at history, the biggest the biggest wealth creation stories have happened in the time of a recession. Right. That part. And part of it was that the people that were going into the recession went in with an attitude of I'm going to win. So the number one thing I, I advise anybody is be careful what you consume as you start to hear about the economy. But there's two categories, there's the economy and there's your economy. You have little or no control over the economy, but if you keep your mind right, you can significantly impact your personal economy. Mm. So step one is just be, have that discernment. Like the best thing about most of our phones and computers now, you got antivirus software that scans the stuff that comes in to say, is this, a value to me or is this a mold bull? Mm-hmm. Right. And the unfortunate thing is when most people get bad news, their default setting is to escape in the entertainment and they spend their surplus time. It's time they're not spent working, looking at, okay, come on now, reality TV. Now I say, you say, now Richard, are you saying that reality TV is preventing me from creating wealth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. Facts. I mean, and it's not in, it's not intentional. Is that it's it's extracting even more of your most valuable resource on something that's calling real that ain't right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Wow. So I mean, and there, and I, I, not 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 to be like I'm not a party pooper. Like I love to have a good time, but there's a ratio in life. It's E over E. It's education versus entertainment. It's how much of your time if you if you don't have the money that you want right now, how much of your additional time are you spending investing on educating yourself to get more of what you want instead of escaping it? Does that make sense? Yes. So you might not be, you might not be able to invest in real estate right now, right? But you got to learn how to do it before you can do it anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So that's, that's the first step. And then the second step is starting to learn how to live below your means. And I mean, well below. Because mm-hmm. they, what they say, looking looking good is the worst investment with the lowest return on investment. I think he needs to say that, and for the people in the back, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, I, as I, you know, you might need to repeat all that. As, as I see him put this Burt Bees on my lips, I'm gonna act like you know, I'm gonna act like he said it loud enough, but I'm no. And- no, I mean, but I, I am really being clear. Looking good is the worst investment with the lowest return on investment. And it, and that's what our culture has created, though. You got this phenomenon of people out here trying to look good to other broke people. Right. 
wear that same month. My mama has a thing. She said, she said, if you can wear it on your ass, it's not an asset. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was just like, hey, mama's right though. So, Facts. so it, it is saying because some people say, well, I would invest, but I don't have any money left. Well, money left after what? Because there are four categories, and everybody that's listening should take notes on these things. If you ever found yourself in a place where you check the check is not, you know, money not quite working out right, it's not entirely your fault. Like there is a system in place designed to extract all of our cash. So if you're not if you're not mindful, if you don't know that your money has been hacked, hijacked, and it's under attack at all times, you will give it away, most of it involuntarily. What do you mean, Richard? I ain't giving away my money. But check this out. If the only source of income you have is your job, your first one-third of your income is drained away to taxes before you even get the check. So that's one-third. Your biggest bill, like most people's biggest bill, they don't think about this. Their biggest bill doesn't come in the mail. It gets taken out up front. And what other people don't realize is if you add the right kind of asset to your portfolio, you can significantly reduce what you have to give the IRS. That's step one. But then that first one third after taxes, take it off the top. They also tax everything that you can do with any dollar that you have left. So any dollar you use for buying something in Georgia, you only get 93% of the value of that dollar. And it already wasn't worth stuff. I mean, no, yeah, we know, well, we know. <laughs> but I'm saying you got property or abalone tax. There's so many different taxes that fully the first. If you think about the, our life is how we get the money. The first four months of the year we're paying taxes, right? And then the second one third, because there's so much taken off the top, our lives are built around debt. Like if I could, there are certain things. As an older, wiser man, I go back and slap myself and say, "Don't do this." Right. Don't don't do this. Don't go down the street. Don't do it. <laughs> but if you think about it between, you know, the mortgage, car notes, student loans, and credit cards, it's not just the money that we borrowed. It's how long we borrow it. So if you stretch something out for 30 years, that $300,000 list price home, you're paying $900,000 for it. So you get one house, the bank gets two. Mm because of how long like they call it interest yeah that, that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> wow man and that's why your home is the biggest asset to them right but yeah that's two thirds that's two big chunks of our money and then if you think about like this commercial industrial system it's so it's so savage right now how they get the rest of the money mm-hmm and it's, it's all of it. I, I'll put it in a lump and call it big business and inflation together, but they're actually two halves of different things. Meaning on the big business side, there's just so much subliminal programming going on all the time to get us to buy stuff that we don't want to impress people who don't even, who don't even like. Right. Or no, right? that matter. I mean, and it's, it's, it's so much psychology and even like down to the color, like they know that red and yellow make people hungry. So if you, if you ever go down the street this with restaurant, just know, just look at the logos. I know somebody you, like coming to my house at Chuhau Road in Atlanta. I mean, in Tucker, and there's between Burger King, Dairy Queen, Wendy's, McDonald's. All these restaurants have these colors, and the colors are meant to attract the eye both of the driver, but even more so. Check this out. Mm-hmm. There's some people in the back seat. There it is. Oh. 
So now at a young age, they got you associated. They got themselves associated to hunger and addiction. That's taking the money. And then they got these sales every 30 days. Like the the end of the year is the easiest time to see it, right? Because we just went through Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And then you hit us on Christmas. So for most people, three thirds, all of their money is gone from those three things. So when it's time to say, and this this is the worst part of philosophy. They say, I'm going to invest what's left. What's left? Not a damn thing. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's true. And then, you know, and here's the trigger for the inflation that we have right now is the money they pumped into the economy a couple of years ago. Cash. Mm. Right. No stimulus checks came from somewhere. Right. But if you just put more paper into the environment, it just lowers the value of the paper. Mm. All you got to do is look at what has happened to the value of the paper relative to the assets it can buy. Like in 2000, a barrel of oil was $17. I know because we were in the oil business back then. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one commodity I learned how to track. It went to 17 to 25 to 50 I think we were right now at the, at the height of the gas prices last year was $91, 91. a barrel. Yep. Right? So you, but 91 dollars a barrel so the prices of things that people need are going up but the value of their dollars is going down mm-hmm. and they're making less of them and they didn't have any left in the first place and that's the trap that we got to get people out of how do we do it well you got to look at the things that are voluntary right i'm not there's some tax that you can't get out of like i'm not a tax evasion specialist i just believe that you don't have to what they say everybody gonna have to pay some tax you just don't have to leave a tip that part. Mm. <laughs> that part. Meaning if you're in some debt, you you, you got to honor your obligations and pay off what you owe, but you don't have to pay it the way that they say. We've got strategies where people like, not people, person, this person right here, where it's, think about how smart you got to be to do physics and calculus in high school. Right. Why wouldn't they teach me debt elimination then? Right. <laughs> But we paid off $52,000 in credit card debt in a year on the same money that we were making. Like some people think, well, if I made some more money, I'd pay off the debt. No, if you have the same strategies that you had when you got into debt, when you make some more money, you're going to get into some more debt. That, yes, yes. That whole complete part. Because <laughs> you don't learn. You're never going to learn from your, your, you think your spending habits are good when really they're bad and you're not changing any aspect of how much you're changing because well, you make more money. And what, what it is for most people is it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. Everybody, I mean, even like when I work with my experts, they say, well, Richard, it looks like you got you got $1,400 unaccounted cash flow on your budget somewhere. Where's this money gone? Mm. Oops. Right. But it was somebody else had to look at it from the outside for us to figure out, oh, this is a place where I could redirect this. What it came down to was discretionary spend. They, I mean, unfortunately... Yeah. The smoke rise bottle shop is in my backyard. I live way too close to where I can procure more tequila. Like that's <laughs> not helpful, right? Oh, right. But it's that's what—that was one of the things we said. Once we once we added up how much money we were spending on tasty beverages, we were like, "Does this make sense? Mm. Could we cut that in half?" And then uh, you know we between like Uber Eats and Audi, like. And I know we're empty nesters, but it's like we don't have to empty the bank account because we got it. That part. 
Mm. So that you, you like, that's the thing. You got to intentionally set some money aside, spend, and this is how I did it. I made that a bill. Oh, I, you know, I took, I, I took the exact number and I call it my offshore account. It's not really offshore though. It's just <laughs> for my credit union in Houston. Meaning every time I got paid, I would divert that, that amount that was the overflow into that other account that I don't have a debit card for. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you got to write a check. Right, right. It slow in this economy, it slows down how fast you are to reach into and tap into that account. So the money would go into there. We didn't really notice a difference in change in our lifestyle, but we, you know, intentionally saved up front mm-hmm. after tax money. So that when it got to be time to be the bank, I was no longer, you know, I only only had to fund that enough till I found out, oh, there's a way that I could beat a bank and beat the rates on the credit union. Give me that. Put that over here. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Right. So that now instead of, our, you know, the relationship. Ooh, do we have even time to talk about this? The relationship between people and banks. We got time. We got time. Okay. We got all the time in the world. Cause, cause <laughs> here, 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 here's what happened. Mm hmm. Because and it, it, I'm, I've been tracking back, like if you, you know, that's the good thing about having boxes of, of tax records is right. tracking back to when interest mattered from where you kept the money that you were building. Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing that most people have right now It's always been the case that saving money was a way of keeping even. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That right. makes sense. Meaning if you got a savings account in a bank, when I started banking, I'm, I'm giving away my age, but I remember with rep, you know, our Swaybo account, I was getting 3 or 4% interest on my money. Mm-hmm. 3 or 4%. Right now, from an investment point of view, that's not a lot of money. As a matter of fact, Looking back, that's probably how much inflation was. But it meant that when those interest statements came in, I had meaningful money coming back from the money that the bank was using for me. Right, right. But if you ask the average person today to look back over the last five to 10 years, from the, I'll say from the point of the economic collapse, last five to 10 years, if you ask them, how much money has the bank paid you for the use of your money? Because they do use your money. I don't, I don't want you to think that your check gets direct deposited. It's just sitting in the account waiting for you. Hell to the no. They take our money. <laughs> <laughs> they loan it as mortgages. They loan it as credit cards. They get the double digit, the 8, the 12, 20, even 30% interest rates on some of these credit cards. But there's no bank with a branch in Atlanta that's paying more than 0.01%. I don't know what, matter of fact, I got this 
website. I'll go look up what it is for you guys, the geography. But uh, you know what? It's nationwide because they are in cahoots. Yep. Mm. 0.01% is the going rate for savings accounts in America. Mm. Wow. So, so think about this. 0.01 is the interest rate. Mm. Is that interesting to you? But, no. Not, not one bit. <laughs> not, not one not, bit. Not at all. That's not even a coffee cup conversation. No. I mean, think think, of, think about the amount of discipline that it takes. I mean, even if you're a good saver, right? Right. And you save up $10,000 in the bank to grow at 0.01%, you're going to come back at the end of the year, not touching the money. Because mm-hmm. that was the scenario I was in. With the money in the credit union. Right. Ten thousand dollars. I didn't touch it. What did I have at the end of the year, other than my new deposits? One dollar. Ten thousand times point zero one is one. <laughs> oh, stinking quarters! That man, you talking one dollar? Oh, by the way, and interest is taxable. Oh, that part. They don't tax your one dollar. So they you don't get, tax the one. You get seventy five cents. <laughs> You only get three of them quarters. I, I know there's people that just listening to this right now and just, is just throwing their checkbook out the window right now. Like, really? I'm saving money for them to only give me 0.01%. Not to mention the fact that they get to use my money and get, like you're saying, 8, 12, 20% off my money that I put in the bank and I only get 0.01%. Hmm. Oh, and then, you know, and it gets, because I, you know, I had to have a really detailed conversation with my son because he's in his 20s. Oh, yeah. So he, I mean, it, so, and it was worse because he's not good with math or uh, what do you call it? Impulse control. Mm. <sighs> yeah. So if the card would go through, he'll swipe it. And then they'll charge him uh, over the limit fee or um, what is it? Insufficient funds. Yes. And yes. he said, well, daddy, why they going to take, why they going to take $35 because they ain't have no money in the bank? I already didn't have no Huh? And so first that's going to require discipline from you to mm. manage your money because they also profit they, they profit when you have money they profit when you don't have money the game isn't being mad at the bank it's just understanding the importance of becoming the bank and that's something again we're not talking I mean you, you got to go out of your way to find people that have and have mastered the investment strategy because when I you know when I switched over when I started the whole journey into being my own bank and private reserve accounts. I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, I've been investing for, but I put my first deposit in my 401k at age 20. Mm. Right. So that's 30 years I've been investing. Fidelity has what they call these wealth advisors. And nobody advised me that there was some other things that I could be doing with the cash. I didn't have that retirement savings right. to get to better returns. And I'm talking eight to 18% without a risk of loss. Like, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's just it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. If you got an 8% return on those same $10,000, 10,000 times 8%, that's $800. $800. Versus one. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. It just, I mean, even if the idea of being your own bank meant you got the return, the same return the bank got, just the personal ownership would be worth it, but it's better once you understand that being your own bank, you get a higher rate of return, you get control of the money, and now you can have your money do banking processes. Like when I, the first time I heard of two things, arbitrage, mm-hmm. which is, that's the process, by the way, for those folks that are, I, I, I got to make sure that I say those things. Arbitrage, A-R-B-I-T-R-A-G-E. Yes. 
<laughs> is where the bank arbitrates the value of the money that's actually in the accounts versus what's out at work in loans. Mm-hmm. And their goal is just to get paid enough in cash flow so that there's enough money when you come to get what you get out of the bank to cover right. them profiting while they were using the money. Right. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. It turns out that if you are your own bank, you can do arbitrage too. Meaning, imagine said when because this this only been three years, but I took some the money that I had in the offshore account, right? Put in my own bank. That bank's about to hit a hundred thousand, right? I'm done. Mm. (laughs) But now, part of it is part of it is I'm still consistently putting in what I was putting over there. Mm -hmm. It's just getting better returns, right? Right. But Mm. but here's here's the difference in the old system. I would have been using the money for the next investment. Now I'm able to borrow Big from myself, right. borrow tax-free the money to put down on the house while the account is still growing at its value. Mm-mm-mm. Tax-free. I mean, and like this is the thing. The, the wealthiest people have learned and mastered these things. It's just these aren't the conversations they tend to have with us. Right. If we, right. If we know that. Yeah. Right. So once once we get in the door and learn a little bit, we got to be good stewards to our community and say, hey, bro, there's a better way. Absolutely. Hey, listen, sister, it, 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 if you're going to put that much money in a purse. Yeah. Mm. Hold on. Mm. Hold on. I got emotional for a minute. I was like. Yeah. Did you spend a comma on a bag and don't have a comma in the bag? Oh, Lord, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to hit that sound bite as soon as I do this production. Like, bro, I'm... <laughs> My mom used to tell me that if you spend more money on something to put money in, you probably shouldn't buy it. And I was like, I never understood. She told me that when I was younger, and I never understood it until I was in the Navy. And I went to the Navy Exchange, which was like the military mall those that have okay. and you go there you get discount stuff tax free and I went there and got me a wallet and I liked at the time I liked the old school bill folders that you can slide your money in put your credit cards in and stuff but it had uh-huh. a flap it had a little flap clear flap that you can put your ID on so when you come through the military base all you have to do is open your wallet your ID's right there you show the guard you go, right, you're good right and this conversation my mom had with me popped in my head the wallet was like 70 something dollars it was a leather wallet had like a little chain on it it was gold it was nice wallet and that conversation she had with me popped in my head if you don't have money to put into the things that you buy why are you buying it and i was like you you know what she was talking about wallets i was like why am i spending 70 dollars for something i'm gonna put money in that i don't even have money to put back in because i'm spending the money to buy it it's gonna be empty it's going to be empty. And yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, and it's so, you know, I know, especially when it comes to fashion and clothes, it's, it's just an easy disposable source of where we just have too much. Right. Like I know, and like, I know for certain, like we're fond of t-shirts, you know, we go, we go dancing. So mm-hmm. every line dance event has a new line dance t-shirt. So we literally have two bins in our room of t-shirts from different events. Wow. Right. It can't, it's like, I'm not going to wear this shirt for anything other than another dance event. So right, these right. can be over here to just to separate. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the places where you've got disposable income, the fact that you're disposing of income, that's a problem. Facts. 
So in the end, so they do do a tough budget on yourself. Look at what you're look at what you have to spend. Like there are some commitments that you've made in your life where you got to honor those commitments. Right, right, right. right. Your your mortgage does pay for your family to have a place to live. So I'm not saying to stop paying your mortgage, but if you put them in black and white, that's a, that's the main place. So you know what? Let me back up. Because mm-hmm. we said, what should people do going into this recession? First, change your mindset. Think about what's coming into you, and know that most of what's coming in, what's being broadcast to you is designed to take money away from you. That part. Mm-hmm. If you think about all the television shows, the reason that there are commercials in between the show is to get you there for the advertiser's purpose. Absolutely. So the advertiser has guaranteed access to a certain part of the population all the time. So monitor your input. But then the second thing is actually track your spend. Just for one month, every time you spend some money, and especially if you, you know, it's gotten worse in this newer generation because of Cash App and Zelle and ATM cards, Right. actually write down a budget. They say a written budget. They say, people say, Richard, that sounds boring and lame. Listen, no, it's not. Budget sex is here. <laughs> a budget is you telling your money where to go so you don't have to wonder where it went. Mm. But once you write down what you intend to spend, track your actuals, and then, look, you know, especially if you're doing, um, you know, you're married, you know, my wife and I got to sit down now because I was looking at, how the credit card has been just jumping since this grandbaby got here. I was like, now listen. <laughs> we love her, but she can wear the same clothes every day. She don't even know she got on clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> she don't know. Just put the same thing on it. She, she don't know. She don't. But, um, but, you know, just being in the process, because that's the thing is you got to look at how much more money you spend when your emotions are involved. Mm. And that's why you got the most commercials in the most emotional shows. You're right. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely right. And, and this time of the year and, is is great uh, avenue to to bring that up because those mm. emotional uh, pet commercials and all that mm-hmm. and they suck you in quicker than anything mm-hmm. boy it's like zinc you're there you're right mm-hmm. so once you once you've written on paper make a make an angry decision because that's the thing I, what i tell people is you know logic doesn't have any emotion right but when i figured out for example that my creditors had me in a place where i was going to be paying well first that i was close to a million dollars in debt Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. second, that there was a way that with the same money I had, I could pay all of it off in five, six years and save $230,000 doing it by just changing how we paid. Right? Wow. Wait a minute. And we negotiate. Wait, wait, wait a minute. It's strategy. Wait, I don't think, wait a minute. I'm, I'm befuddled right now. He just said the amount of money that he was in debt and he was going to be able to pay it off in six years. Versus twenty four. Versus twenty four. That's insane. That that's that's a mathematical equation that a lot of people don't even like understand or even have a part of their uh, entourage of learning experiences. Or for, I shouldn't say learning experiences; more of just wealth of knowledge to say this is how I get out of debt. They don't have that, and he just said no, he has no, a team no. of experts. That right? Even even worse. This is what's worse. Most people are taught to look at it the reverse way. Mm. Meaning if you think about, especially the two, the big ticket purchases in your life, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to buy your house, they qualify you on your gross income 
and ask you what amount you can afford to pay per month. Right. Right. Or if you go to a car lot to buy a car, you say, I don't want to spend anything over 15000 on this car. Right. You know, they still end up trying to talk to you about what that monthly car payment you can afford is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, let, let's set that aside. Why don't you sit down in here and sm- smell this new new car smell? You turn up the radio. They always have a mirror that you drive by so that you can see that you look good so now that you're emotionally involved yep. and detached from the amount. Right, yep. But ima- at the same time, if you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have any payments, and that's what we got to get because that that money that we're paying monthly, that's, some- that's somebody's passive income. Mm. What if it was you? If it was you, absolutely. What if it was you? So, man. <sighs> so I might. Man, ask, I might have to come back. <laughs> yes, I was going to say we're going we to definitely have to do. Yeah, this is going to have to be a comeback conversation. I'm I'm gonna close out with this last question. Um. So, how has, I guess, a financial or wealth, um, I will call it a makeover because that's exactly what I think it is. It's a makeover. You know, you're changing your your whole retrospect or cosmetics of how you look at finances. How do you think, or I should say, how has a financial or wealth makeover changed things for you? There there is a saying, they say that what you are today is what you have been. But what you'll be tomorrow is what you do today. Mm. And I'm just looking back over where I was before I started learning these processes and systems because I've always been smart and willing to learn. Right. But getting to a place where in the next two to three years, we'll be safely in that, what I call that tier one wealth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where is no longer the conversation of the conversation about money is no longer the lack thereof, but we got enough assets making money to where we get to choose some of the things that we do. But the remarkable thing about applying a discipline in one area of your life is it makes it easier to have discipline in others. So, so it's, wow. it's, okay. you know, it's at the same time that our credit scores went into the 800s and we knocked off the $52,000 in credit card debt. I also lost 40 pounds. Wow. Right? wow. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that stress losing weight. It's like, hey, my ass is back. Let's, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's you know, powerful. it makes, you know, it, it also, what you find out is once you're on the same page with money, it releases a lot of financial stress so the relationships gets better. Because you got to think about a lot of, a lot of people, most marriages, that's just a common stat. Most marriages end up over money problems, money fights. Right. But what the money fights were, it, they weren't even fighting the real enemy. They end up in the next relationship still with the same problem, still fighting over the same still stuff. Still same, man, fighting the same <laughs> battles with somebody different. Because, that, that's the truth. because it, because it wasn't, they, they were under attack by an enemy that they weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Wow. So, it, you know, it's helped us with our relationships. And then, you know, I've always been spiritual, but especially when it comes to watching that lubricating process of giving, mm-hmm. I'm finally feeling like I have something to give. Like, it's one of my new hobbies is anytime my friends put up a, um, a challenge, like when they're doing a fundraiser for their birthday, yes. every time. It's not, it's not that some of them I do. It's every time I see one, I put some money on what's important to them. Right. And it always comes back. And it's 
you know, so it's, it's that cycle of because money controls so many things, when we get control of it, especially when we get to the place where we're disciplined about it mm-hmm. and are in the right relationship where it's working for us, instead of us just working for it, it opens up so many things to have, have being due. <laughs> the mm-hmm. rest of what we were put here for. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so I'm a... Man, I hate to do this because, I mean, we're having such a great opportunity and a great interview, but I don't want the podcast to be too long. So I'm going to do this. Um, what would you like to leave the audience with before we, we you know, shut this interview down? What, was, what are some last words of encouragement or last words that you would like to? So, well, well two things. Let me, let me always leave with the opportunity for a gift for people that want to know more. Yes. Right. So is it okay if I give stuff away on your podcast? Most definitely. Please do. So I have a set of tools that I use on a monthly basis to keep track of our cash flow. Now, I didn't invent them. I just made spreadsheets to make it easier for me to do the math. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, it's called the cash flow statement where you're able to keep track of your personal cash flow, what you owe, what you own, what's coming in and what's going out. And a budget sheet is what I use every month to plan out my month. Right. Um, and then I also have a firm belief that what you say about you is true. I have a set of affirmations that I do every day, especially when it comes to money so that I put into my own mind, the right thoughts before the world hijacks my brain. Mm. People want those things from me. You got it. Now this is, this is where we test, right? Yes, (laughs) definitely. If you, if you want to get access to those items, uh, text me. Text me two things. So the number to text is 404-594-4588. And the number is 404-594-4588. Keyword. Now, the keyword is important because that way I'll know what I owe you. It's said. C E D. Yep. Text keyword said to 404-594-4588 along with your name. I'll send you the link so that you can download those, plug in your information and start being in control of your money. The first step to being in control of your money, knowing how much is coming in, how much is going out and what things you can do to improve that ratio. Right. And then the second thing is getting your mind right. Cause if your mind, right, your money, if your mind is not right, your money won't ever be. So you want the affirmations, and the spreadsheets for the calculations. Text those to that number. Now I'm saying text. That's not an automation. That'll be either me or my assistant sending those back to you. So it may take me a day or two. But once you get it, let me know that you've got it and you put it to work. And if you want more access to our community. Because that's the last thing I'll say before I run. Because that's probably the most important thing. The people you're around have the biggest impact on what you do, what you think, and where you go. If you hang around five broke people, don't be surprised if you're number six. Mm. But if you hang around five millionaires, you read, do, and go to the places that millionaires go, do the things that they do, you'll be number six. They're they're not smarter than you. They just got different habits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. That's that's a jewel right there. Yeah, right. So right. You, you, so get connected to the community. Make sure that you you find yourself around people. To ask 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 intensely. Say, sit me at the table where they talking about money. Yes. <laughs> and wealth, and not just people. <laughs> yes. Man, that part. Is, that part. Wow. 
man. This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal gem-dropping interview with the none other than Mr. Richard Harden. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on and provide this abundance that the people can, you know, listen to, get their own gems from, and text the number and get cash flow statement that you use on a monthly basis and the affirmations. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. Today. Yeah. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time to do it. My pleasure. I think we'll have a whole nother. I already have in mind the thing for our next conversation. Okay. The biggest lie you were ever sold. Ooh. <laughs> y'all heard it. Y'all heard it first. So y'all, y'all might want to, be tapping into the podcast so y'all know when he coming back so we can drop that. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you, my brother. I hope y'all enjoyed that interview, that most powerful interview with my brother, Mr. Richard Harden. Take time to go to Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Search That's What I Said. Follow the podcast. You'll get all notifications when I do my podcast because I do them live. Additionally, if you don't uh, listen or want to listen to it uh, live, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, you know, uh, Google, everything else. Um, I want everyone to be able to take the opportunity to not just follow this brother, but be listening and paying attention to all the information he put out. We're going to be doing more interviews with him. More interviews. Absolutely. And this is not going to be just a one and done type of thing. This is a financial education that we have never been taught in school that we want to be teaching and we want to be trying to get out to everyone. So with that being said, baby, you got anything before we go? Man, the only thing I have to say is that this knowledge and all the gems that he dropped in the interview fire and for free. Where do you get free financial information? Facts. It was Fuego. It was right all Fuego. Here on That's What I Said. Catch us next week. Other than that, that's all I got. She's out. Peace. I'm out. Enjoy your Saturday, people. And again, follow us on all social media platforms on That's What I Said, as well as, you know, listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We out. Peace. That's what he said with Cedric D. Sanders.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.